Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Based on Real Events. I'm your host, EJ Gullett, and alongside me is a dear friend of mine who sometimes I want to punch in the face, Mr. Jay Kington. <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's up? How's it going? Just no, I'm smiling. I'm doing all right. Oh, yeah, good, good. I can tell. I can tell, man. Uh, we're, we're in high spirits uh, today, man. Anything new with you? How's the, how's the past week or two been? Dude, I've been house hunting like a motherfucker lately, so it's been busy. Uh, but I found a house, and we are currently in the process of buying it. So you know what? I'm drinking a beer in celebration, man. Yeah, man. Is it a cabin in uh, the woods? No. In California, a cabin in the woods is like $3 million. So <laughs> I have bought a little shack uh, on the outskirts of Los Angeles, and I cannot wait for you guys to come visit so you can see the 600-square-foot place that we just bought. Well, it's on, you know, at least you didn't like have to rent out of the janitor's closet at like the, you know, local grocery store. I don't even know what grocery stores are in California. Uh, well, there is the Ralph's, um, which is a uh, Kroger. And then you've got Vaughn's, Albertson's. You've got, eh, those are actually the main ones there. Uh, and then you obviously you've got, you know, your more bougie uh, hipster ones. What are they? Whole Foods. And you've got um, Trader Joe's, all those stuff too. But I mainly stick to Vaughn's and Ralph's. and the ever popular Amazon Fresh because mm. I absolutely hate grocery shopping in Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. It can't be miserable. It definitely can't be miserable at times. Uh, well, tell everyone why we are here today. Oh, man. What are we here for? We're here to talk about 2013's um, Oscar nominated film, uh, Captain Phillips. And the America as fuck story behind. The rescue effort. Yeah, there was a lot of things I learned about this movie. It was an America's Fuck Rescue, uh, and it was also a lot of controversy around it afterwards, too. Uh, but we'll get into that. It was, uh, there's a lot I learned from this movie, and, and it's, I really do like how the movie does follow pretty true to the, to the storyline, finally, mm -hmm. c compared to, you know, The Conjuring that we just talked about last time. That took a lot of creative liberties. This, not so much. Uh, but yes, we're here to talk about that. This movie directed by Paul, Paul Greengrass. You might know him from the Jason Bourne movies that he's directed. Uh, also cast, we got, there's really not that need to like dive into too many of them, but you've got Tom Hanks, who plays Captain Richard Phillips. Uh, and then you've got uh, Barkad Abdi, who plays Abduwali Muse. And he is the Somali pirate who boards the ship, mm -hmm. says, look at me, I'm the captain now. Actually nominated for an Oscar uh, for best supporting actor in this role. Lost. Yeah, he's, he's been in. Uh, he's been in several other movies since then as well. This is like a really like uh, you know coming of age kind of movie for him. Uh, Not coming of age. Yeah, I was about to say. I don't know that's the right word, but I don't know that's the right word. Sure. Uh, please welcome to the stage. Trusted him deeply. Mister Coming of Age, Barkad Abdi. <laughs> hey, here we go. Um, did Paul also do United ninety three? He did do 1993 and a movie I have not seen on Netflix called 22 July. Yeah, what uh, is that? It's, uh, damn it, you know, you're going to ask me that and I forgot to look it up. Um, I think it is about a terror attack that happened in either New Zealand or in Ireland. I can't remember. 
Uh, I'm, I, but I, I'm pretty sure it's about one of the those story characters. of a massacre in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> so Europe. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I was close. Uh, but yeah, and then also an upcoming movie, which I'm actually really excited to see is News of the World with Tom Hanks. And then um, another one that he's doing is the remake of 1984. Um, big Brother's coming back in a big way, baby. So why not? Why not remake it? So I think that that movie is actually due for a remake anyway. So I think that I think that would be cool to see. Dope. Uh, but yeah, the real story, man. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this one. So let's just jump right into it. And let's talk about the Mayersk, Alabama hijacking, the true story of Captain Phillips. So on let's April- get into it, bud. Oh, yeah, baby. Sorry, I, w- I was looking at all these. I, I totally forgot. Like, I-, I remember this time, but it was just like, what, five years ago or something yeah. when the movie came out? Uh, maybe not that long, but I remember the, uh, was- all the, the like, Oscar Longer. selections. Yeah, well, are, uh, it came out some serious, serious contenders. Oh, you're talking about when, when he was up against for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, like, so the movie came out in 2013. Uh, and then, you know, 2014's uh, Oscars. Yeah, he went up, uh, Abdu, uh, sorry, Bakad Abdi, he went up against Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, and then he also went up against Bradley Cooper, Michael Fassbender, and Jonah Hill. Um, and he lost ultimately to Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club, which, because honestly, if you're going to change your trans, you're gonna, if anytime someone transforms themselves by losing a lot of weight, doing anything like that, it's always a top contender for an Oscar. So honestly, was I Jared thought, Leto, I thought that was more of um, Matthew McConaughey. who was more like a method actor on that. Was, did, did Leto like get real skinny as well too? Yeah, both of them did. And Leto was playing a, uh, Oh God, I don't want to say it wrong, but I think he was playing a, a, like a drag woman in the, in the, in the show, not a drag woman, but he was playing a, a Oh, I don't know what he was playing. Actually. I can't remember. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but he did a very good job. Both of them, McConaughey and, Jared Leto both won Oscars for that best actor, best supporting role. Uh, and it was a good movie. I, I haven't seen that since it came out, honestly. I've never seen it. Oh, you'd like it. You, you should check it out sometime. Okay. Well, it's, it's like, it's like the movie that you finally saw McConaughey, like kind of getting some bigger roles at the time. And this one, of, this is like one of those movies that solidified him as like a serious actor. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it is good. It's, it's, it's about AIDS and about the AIDS epidemic in the eighties in Dallas, but that's all I remember about it, but you'd like it. Check, check it out sometime. We actually might want to cover it on the story or the pod sometime, but really what we're here for right now is to talk about the mayor Scalabama hijacking the true story of captain Phillips. So let's just jump into it. Are you ready? I'm ready to do it. I always thought it was Maersk and it sounds like it's Maersk now. Now I feel like an idiot. Well, you, you could could be right. I could be I could be slaughtered at this right now, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Mayersk. So, uh, please, someone correct us out there. Just uh, go with Alabama. <laughs> in Mayersk, Alabama. So, on April seventh, the Mayersk, Alabama, was just a few hundred miles off the shore of the coast of Somalia, an area that is well known for pirate attacks. And Phillips had received warnings, but did not alter course. But look, we'll get into this more later on the podcast. But in the afternoon, the ship was approached by several pirate boats that ultimately turned back without incident. However, on the morning of April 8, 2009, the Mayor Scalabama cargo ship sighted a small speedboat carrying four pirates armed with AK-47s. The unarmed. Now, to be fair, these speedboats are like, they call them skiffs. They are like fiberglass-bodied boats. These are not, you know, cool, 
uh, I'm a rock a speedboat with a mullet in the wind, uh, you know, that's like 80 feet and, you know, smuggling cocaine from one coast to the other. This is, uh, <laughs> these are literally boats that if they get any sort of damage, they'll probably crack and you will sink. Yeah, exactly. And you see it kind of in the movie too, like the, you know, the first day where they're chasing after them, um, one of the, the, one of the boats literally loses their engine because they're trying to go too fast and they can't keep up with it. So, um, yeah, these, this is a very poor country. These people are coming from, they don't have anything. So this is, yeah, I think it said there was like 12 hijackings per year, like prior to like this time when it's heated up, it went up like four times that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get into that in a second mm-hmm. on how all of that kind of picked up, but all of these four pirates armed with AK 47s. Now the unarmed crew of the mayor's Alabama attempted to ward off an attack by shooting flares, spraying the fire hose, but were unsuccessful and two Somali pirates were able to board the ship, marking the first time in 200 years that pirates stepped foot aboard a ship sailing under the U.S. flag. Wow. I like how they just tried to spray them away with a water hose. You see, like, nowadays, since this has happened, now they have, like, actual, like, rifles that they will actually shoot real bullets at. Well, that's that's a lot of the problem that you'll see with, with uh, the research that I found is, like, in 2008 they were just rolling around with fire hoses and primitive weapons using fucking crowbars and stuff like that to to fend off pirates with ak-47s and now they don't fuck around with it anymore and they They pray them away they carry around mercenaries on their ships they carry around military contractors but we'll get into that we'll get into that uh now the crew managed to disable the alabama and most of the 20-man crew uh, retreated to the fortified steering room. However, Phillips and several crew members were captured on the bridge. It was around this time that the two other pirates were able to board the ship. Now, a captive crewman was ordered below deck to retrieve his colleagues but failed to return. This prompted one of the pirates, accompanied by another crew member on the ship, to search for them. And it was here that he was ambushed and taken prisoner. After negotiating an exchange of hostages, the crew released their captive, but the pirates took Captain Phillips hostage. With their own boat having been capsized earlier, they forced the captain into a covered lifeboat and detached it out to sea and demanded a ransom of $2 million. And this led the Alabama to restore their power and the crew members and began following the craft. Now, look, I want to leave it right here for a second, and I want to talk about... um, Somali piracy, and then I want to get into this U.S. Navy response. So I, I we were just talking about uh, like all these Somali pirates, these fiberglass boats, this very poor country, and like how like it left me wondering like how did because like one thing I thought the movie you, you have to do your homework when you watch this movie you have to understand it and like like how did Somali piracy come to be? So you know with that. Um, I still think of pirates <laughs> like I don't know about you, but I still think of pirates as like those people uh, with, uh, you know, on a wooden ship, smelly. They got the captain and they got the fucking parrot on their fucking shoulder. And yeah, on a gallon. Yeah, like or a I galleon, still, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are <laughs> I like those pirates. <laughs> yeah. Those are the fun pirates. Those are the, the pirates of the Caribbean. But these are much different than our imaginations and really what books and TV have put in their head. Um, but really it, it had me questioning like how Somalia became such a hotbed for piracy. And really the answer lies in something that happened close to 30 years ago when the regime of longtime Somali dictator Syed Bear collapsed in 1991. 
and the country was plunged into ongoing violence between rival arms group armed groups and left without a central government capable of defunding its economic interest, including the exclusive economic zone off the Somali coast. Now, fleets from Europe and Asia quickly moved in and depleted their supply of fish, which the coast of Somalia, that was basically their main source of income. I don't want to go into like a long-winded detail of how this got into like modern-day Somali pirates, but the long story short is that local fishermen armed themselves and began running off these vessels and stealing their supply of fish. But they quickly realized that robbing ships was a lucrative business and an easy way to make up for lost income. So land-based warlords co-opted some of the new pirates, organizing them into increasingly sophisticated gangs. And to top it off, there has also been reports of toxic waste being dumped off the Somalia shores, including by the Italian mafia. Now, the difference between other pirates and Somali pirates is that they nearly always hold the ships they board for ransom, sometimes for months at at a time. So, Jay, with that being said, now we kind of understand the Somali pirates and how this led up to it and, you know, them holding this, holding Captain Phillips now ransom for $2 million. So this really led to a much more aggravated and aggressive result, assault needed from the U.S. government. So, please, would you like to kick it off here and kind of talk about this? Yes. Yes, I would. Now, this leads us to our government's response and how the Obama administration went about handling this. So we know that on April 8, 2009, that's when the Somali pirates took the Maersk, Alabama hostage uh, with all of its crew. This led them to fleeing the ship on a lifeboat. Um, and this led the Alabama to to follow them. They basically abandoned the idea of actually holding the, the entire uh, ship hostage and all of its, you know, trying to, to raid the supplies, which... Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was a bunch of like humanitarian and first aid supplies that were going to Kenya. Uh, but they decided that, you know, that this was becoming too troublesome with all 20 of their crew. And then they had already been, you know, had struggles and scruffles with the crew. So they decided that a, uh, the next best thing would be taking an American hostage and holding them for ransom. So uh, one crew member had put out a distress call and on April uh, you know, 9th is when uh, everything started to, to really move forward with the, the nation's response. So combined task force 151, AKA uh, CTF 151, they have, were basically comprised of uh, about a, a dozen or maybe a little more than a dozen uh, US naval vessels that would be patrolling this area of water. So the, the Gulf of Persia, uh, where Somalia is off and, and all the surrounding waters, just for incidents that would occur, uh, you know, it's really more, more dangerous part of the world. So that was kind of, they're always on rotation there. And so they deployed one of their destroyers, which was the USS Bainbridge. Um, and that was the first to respond to the Maydays from the Maersk, Alabama, uh, which, you know, at the time was bobbing near the pirates and, and Captain Phillips and the stolen lifeboat, preventing it from escaping to land, really. Um, now, pirates, you know, so this ordeal drew out a lot longer than, than what they were expecting. So the, the tensions and the frustrations were starting to mount. Uh, one of the, the things that really um, they, the Navy thinks led to this is that pirates often chew on a narcotic cot leaf to basically uh, be a way of warding off seasickness. Um, in this so what case, is that then? Like what are I, they- I assume it's got to be something like, like Kratom. 
just some sort of like a cocoa leaf almost like the you know uh, south american indians will chew on for a headache and then the you know south american drug lords will refine and make into a, a white powder commonly known on the street as cocaine um <laughs> but in in this case it looked like the pirates had actually ran out of of the cot leaf so they were starting to get seasick they were been uh this had lasted much longer you know, this was an all on on April 9th. This took several days, basically this ordeal. So they right. I think this ended finally on April twelfth. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, like they're hungry, they're exhausted. They've been fighting with crew members, trying to at least make this whole pirate endeavor worth it by trying to, you know, with the worst case, get a ransom on an Americans. So they were already on on edge when the USS Bainbridge finally reached you know, the lifeboat. Uh, and this was on the night of April 9th. And then the destroyer, you know, just kind of standard Guantanamo Bay dickhead terrorist tactics that Americans like to do is, is they basically lit up this place with, you know, spotlights, sirens, loudspeakers, just kept noise going, lights going, uh, trying to mess with all their, their senses. And, uh, you know, it, it worked. The pirates were very pissed off and just very frustrated this whole situation. And now the USS Bainbridge's uh, skipper specifically requested Navy SEALs as they did not have any, uh, you know, snipers on board. I'm honestly not too keen into Navy snipers or if there is a sniping specialist that is typically on board, whatever the case may be, they didn't have one. They wanted the best in the world. So, uh, you know, the, the Bainbridge wanted the Navy SEALs and, as, you know, basically at the same time, simultaneously to that, um, you know, as Obama was, was becoming aware of the situation, uh, the White House also determined that SEAL Team 6 was the best force to handle Captain Phillips' rescue, obviously. I hope everyone is aware of who SEAL Team 6 is now. They've, you know, basically became famous due to this and especially after the Bin Laden raid. But it is a specialized group of Navy SEALs that is um, dispatched to handle counterterrorism. Uh, in all types of, of fronts. They're the most badass Americans. Uh, but, you know, contrary to popular belief, uh, there are more SEAL teams than there. There's a whole backstory of SEAL Team 6 trying to confuse people with, you know, that there would be five other SEAL teams. Uh, but, you know, right now, I think of what we know, there's about like three or four uh, of these SEAL teams out there. So SEAL Team 6, upper echelon, they were dispatched out there. Uh, unfortunately, these SEALs were based 8,000 miles away in Virginia, so in the meantime, they dispatched another group of SEALs uh, that were working in the Horn of Africa. Uh, they deployed them to the warships. And this group basically kind of kept the situation out bay until the SEAL Team 6 operators could be uh, dispatched and, and come over from the United States. So on April 10th is when SEAL Team 6 actually flew over from Oceania, Virginia, uh, direct to the Somalia coast. I think they flight was like 16 or 18 hours and they refueled like at least three times midair just to make it nonstop kind of one go get them there as soon as possible uh at 4 45 that afternoon president barack obama who had really just been in office for three months he authorized the use of lethal force in captain phillips rescue uh this wasn't as easy as you know they had drifted now obviously, obviously you don't just stand you know still in the water the waves do push you they drifted uh, more miles than they had anticipated down the Somalia coast or maybe it was up the Somalia coast whichever way the water flows over there i'm not too sure on the you know hydrothermal water patterns of that area but you know whatever i'll, I'll forgive you for that i'll forgive you for that uh so they were basically pirates in you know, part of a clan, like it was very kind of clan territorial in Somalia. So they drifted so far that they couldn't just go ashore. Uh, they had to negotiate with the clan that was responsible for that, uh, that area of the coast. So the Navy recommended that, you know, if you have to negotiate with them, you know, do it at sea. 
uh, you know, get the negotiations down, you know, don't, don't, don't take captain Phillips over there and, and put him in more danger by potentially pissing off a clan and having them shoot you guys just, you know, have the negotiations at sea. Um, now the water and the weather, uh, conditions were getting worse you know it was getting more choppy i think a storm was in, incoming so uh the pirates had also agreed to let the uss bainbridge take the lifeboat under tow to keep them you know together and as, as as close as they could um you know again just as the weather worse and that little lifeboat that won't fare nearly as well as, as a navy destroyer or even you know something as large as a cargo ship so the sailors hooked a cable to the lifeboat and the destroyer slowly um, imperceptibly began winching the boat closer and closer until it was just 25 meters away from the Bainbridge. Now the Navy SEALs were already in position on the deck of the Bainbridge. So they were already there. Uh, they had their 30 cal snipers, their SR-25s, uh, pretty standard Navy SEAL uh, semi-automatic sniper rifle, you know, not a bolt action or anything like that. You can have con uh, consecutive shots, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one right after the other. Uh, but, you know, they were already on the deck. They were already aimed down sight and basically scanning the lifeboat with their, um, with their weapons at that time. So again, you know, tensions just keep rising and rising and they only got more tense as the time continued to, uh, you know, trickle on the, one of the the youngest pirates i think he was actually the youngest pirate he was only 16 at the time but he got injured uh in a little battle slash scuffle uh with a Maersk, alabama crew member and he asked to go to the bainbridge for medical treatment which is effectively giving himself up to the americans as a pirate uh who they'll just label as a terrorist and you know they don't get good treatment uh with the American uh, military. So much different but, than what they showed in the movie right there then, because it was, hey, we've got your elders here. Let's go make a deal. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this was, uh, I mean, the, I think they, I think there initially was some of that, like as trying to do this peacefully. But um, again, at, once those tensions get high, I, you know, the Navy was getting annoyed just as the, the pirates were. Um, so the, the pirates had also called, you know, a doctor, on the Bainbridge and requested a doctor rather saying that captain Phillips needed to see a doctor. Um, and so the little tiny Navy skiff, you know, scooted over there, motored over there, whatever you want to call it, boated over there. Um, and they provided, you know, checked him out real quick. He was, you know, I mean, obviously not great, but it wasn't, you know, fade or anything. Uh, they provided a change of clothes and then they, they left the, the lifeboat. And uh, this, change of clothes was blue pants and a bright yellow shirt. And, you know, I don't think Captain Phillips really realized it at the time, but the Navy was giving him a bright yellow shirt so that he stood out like a sore thumb and that he was easy to identify through the little windows on the lifeboat. And more importantly, to the SEAL team, because these, these lifeboats have very small windows. It's not an open top or anything. It's all sealed and, um, you know, you go look at a picture of one of these things, small windows compared to the size of the boat. Yep. Yeah. And it's it, the the fact that they had to pull off this shot. We were just, I was talking about this with Kate earlier, just like, can you imagine sitting out there in the middle of the, of the ocean and having to counterbalance two boats bobbing in the ocean just to make your shot reach? Like it, it's insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, you know, one of the, the cooler, Steel Team Six stories because uh, you know I'm gonna get into that, but there are three pirates basically left on this lifeboat, and um, you know if you take a shot and you maybe you kill two out of three, 
uh, you know, that third one's just going to, they were fearing that he would just turn and kill Captain Philip or, or, you know, do something like that. So on November 12th, the, the tensions really peaked and kind of culminated with Captain Phillips wrestling his captors away and trying to escape, uh, you know, jumping in the water. And uh, this resulted in a pirate shooting his, his gun into the sea to stop Captain Phillips. And, uh, you know, that was really, that was enough for the Navy SEALs and the, the United States government. They decided that the next opportunity they had, they weren't going to risk anything. They were just going to kill these three remaining pirates and, and recover Captain Phillips as safe as they could. And, you know, here, here's kind of going back to what you were saying, you know, taking their time and coordinating these shots, you've got three different, um, you know, snipers with three different guns. Uh, they're having to coordinate who is going to be shooting who. So now you've, you know, one sniper looking at one pirate and there, one sniper looking at one pirate and one sniper looking at the last pirate. And if you're going to take this synchronized shot, you know, all these shots are going to happen within a, a one second of each other, really. Yep. You know, sometimes it's bobbing in a way where maybe you just see one out of three. Sometimes it bobs where you only see two out of three. So they're waiting for that perfect window between two ships going up and down in the water to find a window where they can all three take a clean shot and, uh, you know, hopefully kill the pirates right away. Uh, so a very small window like that just opened up and, and all those pirates could be seen. So without hesitation, uh, the, the Navy SEALs took their shots through the small windows on the lifeboat, all firing one shot a piece and each hitting the, uh, the pirates, each sniper hit the, their corresponding pirate in the head with again, 30 cal SR 25, um, not only killing the pirate instantaneously, instantaneously, but, uh, with the bullet placement in the brain, it ensures that no involuntary muscle responses could occur to harm Captain Phillips. If, you know, they had a gun pointed at him and you get shot somewhere else, your natural body, uh, body's response is, you know, you're going to clinch up and try and embrace that, that, that hit and that pain. And, you know, if you have a gun at someone's head and that happens, it's going to cause you to pull the trigger, which will call you to shoot, cause you to shoot them. So, uh, it's such an accurate shot that they just dropped everything. Um, and that was, that was basically it. They went in there and retrieved, uh, retrieved Captain Phillips. And, uh, that's how, uh, you know, America continues to be the premier counter-terrorist fighting country in the universe. <laughs> in the universe. Yeah. It's gone bigger than world. <laughs> Although I read something about a, 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 there's another apparently mega planet that we can't see that's, uh, orbiting the, the Milky Way galaxy and, um, it's having gravitational effects. I don't know. It's a new discovery. I got to read more about, but you never know. Uh, can you send me some articles on that too, please? I would love to read that. Sure. Um, but that's really, I mean, dude, what, what a, it's such a crazy story on how much of it really kind of, uh, how much it really stays true to the actual uh, events that happened. There's, they really did not delve off much um, from the actual True story. I mean, whether or not the elder's story was true, I mean, they did take creative liberties by, you know, the guy who was hurt, they took him off, so he survived. But it was really, in the movie, it showed it was, uh, unless that was, and maybe I'm wrong there, it might have been Abdu um, Badwali. Uh, it might have been him that was taken off. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's who exactly I'm thinking of, is the character who we're following. But it, it, nonetheless... Well, he was killed. Abdu does because it said at the end of the movie that he was serving 33 years in Terre Haute, Indiana. Abdu was. I don't think he was the 16 year old. The I, 16 -year -old didn't, I didn't think so either, but I, 
from what it was showing. I can't recall though, because I watched like a whole documentary on this like two years ago or something. I mean, it's pretty spot on to what though, because I'd watched the movie first, then saw the documentary on like, I don't know, I don't think it was history because they didn't really show anything history related anymore. It was their fucking sellouts. I think it was American Heritage Channel, maybe, but um, <laughs> or maybe the Military Channel, one of those two. But Military uh, Channel's you know, great. Yeah. I didn't know that everything you didn't was pretty spot on. History fan, sir. I'm big, big history buff, bro. No, no, no. I didn't know you were like a History Channel like hater. I mean, sorry. I mean, history because it sucks. It's all reality TV, like gold diggers. Like, I don't care about digging gold in Alaska. I want to learn more about like Hitler. Yeah, well, that's you know? the military channel now and all that stuff. But hey, I will, I will say Vikings. Holy shit, great show. Yeah, Vikings is good. Do I give a fuck about American pickers? No, no, or gold diggers. I don't really care about counting cars or whatever. Show. That may be Discovery. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. They they, they sold out. Just know that. So I will say, with everything that we we just talked about there, it it would be behooves of us to do some more research and i just from doing that i discovered there were some controversies and a lawsuit that came out of this uh whole ordeal afterwards yeah i was not aware of this i'm I'm actually pretty intrigued to uh to have you learn something on me today so approximately half of the crew members represented by a trial trial lawyer named brian beckham claimed that the shipping company mayersk lines limited willfully allowed the Mayersk Alabama to sail directly into pirate-infested waters, despite receiving multiple warnings to avoid the area. Now, this is something that the movie lightly touches on, and, and this is where it, it really delves differently, is because I, I, I just watched this movie a couple hours before, before we recorded this podcast, and at the very beginning of the movie, um, Phillips is sitting there in his computer... Um, and he on his ship and he's reading about procedures for pirates and stuff like that and like things that he's supposed to be doing and from that it's those measures he did not apparently did not perform properly now um despite Mm. despite receiving multiple warnings to avoid the area the lawsuit further claims that the alabama didn't have adequate anti-pirate security measures and the lawsuit this whole lawsuit that is happening, it, it settled before it went to trial in Mobile, Alabama on December 2nd, 2013. So this this was settled before the movie came out. Now, Brian... Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, like, it's also notable. Like, like, it was like three times or four times the normal amount. There were like 40-something uh, hijackings that had occurred that year. Like, it was something astronomical. So the warning signs, like, were definitely there. And, and you know, for the company to kind of... Uh, I don't know about ignore that or, but maybe just not take it as seriously as, as they should have. Cause you know, again, th- these are like, you know, these aren't people that are just doing this to live a criminal life. These are people that are doing this. Cause like, that's the only way they know how to survive. These are very like impoverished people. Like they're not sure where the oh, next yeah. meal's coming from. You know, this is not like, well, and these are also, badasses. and these are also people who are deprived of, the, of their main source of income, which was fishing. And then they yeah, have to figure and, out another I way mean, to do it. And, and what's well, scarier than someone who's like literally has nothing to lose. Like, in you know, this is how they're going to survive. Like, that's terrifying. Exactly. And, it, and, and, and like, that's kind of like the human connection thing that Paul Greengrass shows in the movie is just like, you know, uh, he's got, he's got Phillips cap, Captain Phillips, you know, captive on the lifeboat and they're talking and he's just like, you know, you're more than just a fisherman. You're definitely more than just a fisherman. And he's like, maybe in America, maybe in America. And it's, it's kind of like, to me, I was just like saying like, yeah, like in your country, maybe that's the thing, but like where I'm from, like it's survive. You, you, it's, you have, you know, survival of the fittest. Like I have to exactly. fucking make what's next. Yeah. But, and, and the thing that, that, that I learned from what they were doing wrong is 
according to rules and regulations, they weren't supposed to be sailing anywhere closer than 600 miles of the Somalian coast. However, Captain Phillips was sailing. That's so far. I know that's so far because, again, these skiffs and these these boats, they can't reach that far out. However. Can the skiffs go 100 miles out? Like, I feel like they're like. Yeah, they can go. Well, bit. well, that's why you saw in the movie they, they, they showed um, they had like a, a tugboat or like a bigger boat. And that boat could take both of the small mm-hmm. skiffs out. And then the skiffs would kind of deploy from there and they would go and, you know capture the capture the boat or capture the ships um but but captain phillips uh, was sailing 300 miles closer than that suggested uh range so brian breck beckham has gone on record saying the real heroes and are the men and women of the u.s navy who rescued the shipping company from its poor decisions and the brave crew members who actually fought back against the pirates once they boarded the ship despite the crew members being unarmed while facing Somali pirates carrying automatic weapons. Now, I wonder how, do you know how the, the, the pirates actually found the, like the cargo ships? Like if you're 300 miles off the coast, like, how? Uh, did they well, I, I would, I don't know for sure, but like, yeah, I, I did like how they intelligent. showed it in the movie. Like, like, you know, they were on that board, that tugboat and they were like, Oh, like, like they were looking at radar mm. and they were looking and, this is where I think what they were trying to show without showing like, Oh, he's 300 miles closer. They were saying like, Oh, this is a group altogether of cargo ships. We can't attack something like that because there's just too many of them, Mm -hmm. but here's a ship by itself. Let's go get this one. So I, I, I would imagine that they had at least some form of technology that would allow them to see what's in the water ahead of them. So they could go out there and, you know, take, I mean, I'll get to this in a minute, but like, and this isn't that much money, but for Somalians, this is a lot of money. I mean, this was a lucrative business for Somalia. This was a business that was making $50 million a year for pirates. Like that's, a, that's a lot of fucking money bringing in for a poor country, you know? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Without it. I mean, I don't know like what you do with humanitarian aids. Like, I don't know what the black market is like for that, but I mean, you imagine you get like a, you know, like a legit boat that has like some, something of really high value then shit. You probably make a ton of money. Well, I mean, they're making, you know, they're making two to six million dollars sometimes off of this. But they're only like you were just saying that was what forty four and oh eight of like forty four ships captured. So that's a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. But 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 that's of two hundred, probably two to three hundred attempts. So not a great success rate for them. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously dangerous and doesn't work out a lot. No. But according to the lawsuit, Mayersk essentially outsourced the security of the Alabama to the U.S. military and by extension to the taxpayers of the United States, rather than providing basic anti-piracy prevention measures such as armed guards. So this is what you were just talking about, additional tax. So like additional tax, since April to April 2009 tax, the Mayersk Alabama has, has been approached by pirates on at least two other occasions. However, the pirates were quickly repelled by armed personnel who now accompany the mayor's vessels that travel in pirate-infested waters. So, although Captain Phillips is credited with saving- fun videos to watch if you ever see them, like Funker, like those some of those military like Facebook groups share them, and it doesn't it doesn't end well a lot of times for the pirates. No, not at all. Like you're going up against you're going up against people who are trained marksmen. One and two, they have the high ground. Like they're literally sitting on a giant cargo ship that they can see and 
Yeah, and, and you're in a boat the size of your bathtub. Exactly. So Captain Phillips, like, you know, he's he's credited with saving the lives of his crew in the movie. And that is true. Like, like Captain Phillips, he did act very heroically in this movie, in, in not the movie, but in real life. Like, he really did do all that. But the fact that he didn't follow simple protocols and put his his crew in, in danger is what is what the problem is with this entire thing. So, yeah, well, also, like, people are just kind of greeting. They see an opportunity to make some money like they're going to they're going to try and get it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And they're well, basically, you hear him saying in the movie, he's just like, look, like we're we're not I don't know if this is, this probably isn't true. This is probably Hollywood here. But he's just like, we're, we're not here to you know, we're here to get to our place on time um, the fastest way possible. So we're going to continue on this route. And this is him talking mm-hmm. to his crew like right after they had been attacked for the first time or tried to be attacked for the first time. He's like, we're here to like get to the fastest route possible. So with that being said, Philip's crew who were aboard the ship when it was hijacked said that their lives are put in jeopardy because of the decisions made by Phillips. And they claim that Captain Phillips risked the lives when he ignored multiple mornings, warnings of pirates attacks in nearby waters. Instead of taking a safer route, he chose to sail the mayor of Alabama into fire infested waters. And Captain Phillips claimed or sorry, Captain Phillips claimed that he was not scared of pirates ignored pleas from the crew and to avoid the area and notorious for pirate attacks. And Captain Phillips sailed the ship approximately 300 nautical miles closer to the coast of Somalia than was deemed safe by NATO, multiple military anti-piracy groups, and the International Maritime Organization. I mean, maybe he was a little cocky before, you know? I mean, certainly an event like that will change your, your attitude towards it, but maybe he was a little cocky, you know, and they don't really... That's well, the, the the story you don't know unless you're on that boat, I guess. He was he was known as like a tough a tough captain, like a tough nut to crack, kind of like not like an easily approachable guy. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I don't know, but like I will say this: like I don't care who you are as a person, uh, you should always follow protocol because the protocols are there for a reason. It's better to be safe mm-hmm. than fucking sorry. Like I would rather. Exactly sail 600 miles outside of Somalia and miss my deadline than be attacked by pirates and have this happen. Also, yeah. it doesn't look great for Captain Phillips to have, be the first time in 200 years to have a pirate board a U.S. flagged ship. You know what I mean? Like, it's true. Yeah, man. So, really, has piracy gotten better in Somalian waters in the year? So, or in, Since 2008? Um, as we said, piracy has grown to a $50 million a year industry in the country, and that was in 2008. In 2009, pirates had carried out 214 attacks, leading to 47 hijackings, and by 2011, it was up to 237, though the number of successful hijackings had decreased. But that year also marked the establishment of Combined Task Force 151, the multinational unit tasked with protecting shipping from pirates off the coast of Somalia. So the task force combined with the improved security aboard ships, many crews, <clears throat> many cruise ships carry military contractors aboard them passing through, um, and it does seem to really have an impact. Now, this research that I did was from 2013 when this movie was coming out, but I did do a quick search and discovered that at least in Somalia, piracy is still on a downward trend. However, they were noting that we could see an increase 
as a result of COVID-19 in many of the world's hotspots. And some mm-hmm. of the world's hotspots are the Gulf of Aden, which is where this event took place, the Gulf of Mexico, the Gulf of Guinea, and the Southeast Asia, where we could see, and, and we could also see new some new places rise up too, as all of these economies, all of these governments kind of deal with the after effects of COVID-19. And, you know, we could see a lot more things. We could see piracy rise to a whole new level here in 2021 and beyond, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm very genuinely curious on, like, the Gulf of Mexico pirate situation. Uh, me too. I knew you were going to ask that too. I, was yeah, like, I, I, assume, I assume it's not coming from, like, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> well, I was looking that up. They, they said that the Gulf of Mexico um, is – I might be wrong. I might be wrong here, but the Gulf of Mexico is – the highest, um, the highest one, the highest trafficked person where they get kidnapped. Like most, most times whenever pirates board ships, you're getting kidnapped in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Well, yeah, I could, you're probably also dealing with like more like smaller personal watercrafts, maybe like a yacht or, you know, something like that. You're not, I I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, I'd be hard pressed to think that, you know, Mexican cartels or anything like that are throwing cargo ships in the in the gulf of of mexico so that might be just a different type of a piracy i mean i even heard about it in brazil in the amazon river uh you know pirates on the river that would that would uh you know rob boats and stuff and uh you know what's not mentioned on here and it's a damn shame is, is it just the caribbean man whatever happened to the pirates in the caribbean well they had that deal man captain jack sparrow he lived out his life and then they were just like we're done we don't need this anymore I guess so. It's a damn shame. Bring it back. <laughs> so I want to play a little game with you here and just see if you can guess uh, these factor right, fiction. So I, will not, I will not read. I will scroll past. Okay. There you go. No, no. I actually have this set up in here so you, you don't know if it's factor fiction. Okay. I, so, I have the answers uh, elsewhere. Let me scroll back up real quick. So, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Jay, factor fiction. Um, the pirates arrived while the crew was in the middle of an emergency drill. Oh gosh, in my brain, I'm thinking of the movie Deepwater Horizon, where John Malkovich <laughs> yeah, gets were... like crushed in the shower. Um, no, not not a fact. Wrong. That is a fact. I guess that'd be fair. Oh, that is a fact. Wow. Uh, captain Phillips, who had a reputation as a no-nonsense captain, ran several emergency drills on the Alabama during the voyage, including one that the pirates interrupted as depicted in the film. All right, next one for you. Captain Phillips faked a call to the Navy to deter the pirate ships. Um, I know, like, I, I just watched this afternoon, but, like, at the very first time that they attacked the ship, um, there is a scene where he, like the pirates are listening in on the radio and he's just like trying to talk and say like, Hey, like I, we need some support. And then he like comes back. He's like, yeah, like we got, we got support coming in. You have the gunship in the area. Uh, and it scares off the pirates and they go back. So is that fact or fiction? Fiction. That is fact. Jeez. <laughs> I'm over two, man. I was going to put a wall of odds, I guess. So yeah, I mean, that, that would make sense. It's a good tactic. I think it's a really I felt, great. I felt one. like you were. I felt like you were setting me up by describing like describing it in the movie. I felt like you were setting me up to be like, "Yeah, no, it's it's real," and be like, "Oh no, it's actually fake." No, it's it's fucking real, and actually, it's they say pretty spot on to into the movie. Except they just say in the movie 
The mothership and two speedboats are pursuing the Alabama at that time, and the mothership and one of the speedboats turned back. In reality, the Alabama had one more speedboat in addition to those other boats in pursuit. In both cases, Phillips trick scared all of the ships off but one. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I know, right? Like it, it, it's it's pretty cool how much it stayed true to the story. I mean, because it's such a crazy story. So, all right, here's another one for you: fact or fiction. Phillips and his crew tricked one of the pirates by laying broken glass on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going with faction. I need a, I need a more clear answer. (laughs) I'm going with fiction. You are correct. Yes. I I wanted to say fact, but I was like, no, he's going to do, I know he's trying to get me. No, no, that that one, that one is that one is in, in indeed fiction. Um, in reality, Phillips didn't lead the pirates to his crew's hiding place. Rather, Phillips sent one of the failer, sailors down to search the ship with an unarmed Somali pirate. At which point, the chief engineer ambushed that pirate with a knife and took him hostage. Okay. All right. Okay. I want one for three. Not yeah. great, but we're improving. Just a few more for you here. All right. Fact or fiction. Phillips is kidnapped on the lifeboat as the pirates leave the Alabama. Now you'll remember, do you remember this from the movie? It's like him yeah. inside the boat and he's like, you got to push this lever four or five times. And then it just like, it goes off into the sea. So is this fact or fiction? No, he exchanges himself. Um, so, you're, so you're saying, so you're saying fiction. No, I'm no, no. Fiction. no, he's saying, he's saying that is he kidnapped? Is he kidnapped? Is he kidnapped? Is Captain Phillips kidnapped? Yes. As the pirates leave the Alabama. Um, hmm, well, that does go against the research I did. I'm going to say, um, yeah, I'm going to go with fact. Okay. You are mostly right. It is mostly fact. So Phillips actually tried to pull the pirates on an open air boat first so the Navy could more easily shoot them. But the battery was busted. He decided to use the enclosed bright orange lifeboat from the movie instead, hoping to get just get the pirates off the ship. The crew tried to exchange the captured pirate for Captain Phillips, but as depicted in the movie, but once the pirate, uh, pirate hostage climbed aboard the Alabama, the pirates drove the lifeboat away without letting Phillips climb onto the Alabama. So, yes, they, they, that, okay. what happens in the movie is actually like kind of the way it really did happen. Gotcha. So it was kind of like, okay, never mind. We're like, we're just take him anyway. Yep. Yeah. They're well. They he was he was gonna let him off the boat. They were they were supposed to have yeah. just like an easy exchange. No. Okay. Next one for you. Uh, fact or fiction? Phillips attempted to escape by swimming away from the lifeboat. That is a fact. Correct. That is very very. Uh, and then they very shot correct. into the water and stopped him. Yeah. It says Phillips pushed one of the pirates Which into is the stupid, water. Actually, science speaking, because if you just dive like six feet underwater, the bullet won't kill you but it could still hit you and hurt you and then you got blood yeah, but I, don't, you. I don't i don't even think it'll penetrate you that you like it's really like that's a big big myth of movies guns do not work well underwater ak-47s though do kind of don't they nope no i thought i thought ak-47s was you can get mud on them you can get whatever in them and they still will fire one. No, that's a Glock, and that's from the movie <laughs> U.S. Marshals, that line. But, yeah, no, that's a Glock. But, no, it doesn't matter. It does uh, AK-47s are extremely reliable, much more reliable than, like, an M16. 
but it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll fire underwater. Most guns will fire underwater now that, you know, um, just the way bullets are made now, it's not like lock and flint anymore. Right. right. Um, so most will, but just due to, you know, water is so much more dense than air that they, they are not nearly as accurate and they don't, they're not able to reach the speed they need to reach to really be able to cause damage unless you are like pretty close. But if you're, you know, maybe, I don't know about six feet, maybe 12 feet, you're definitely going to be safe. Okay. Gotcha. Well, it's good to know. Cause next time I get shot, I'm just going to, I'm going to say that next time I'm getting shot at in the water. I'm just gonna be like, dive 12 the U S government is currently working on a underwater weapon that will, uh, still have lethality and accuracy, uh, underwater at distance. That's fucking nuts. That's fucking nuts. Okay, I got, yeah, I got two more for you here, sir. All right, fact or fiction. Navy SEALs took out the Somali pirates while Captain Phillips was strung up and blindfolded. Uh, yes, fact. So this is part fact and part fiction. Yeah, I don't know if he was strung up, but I think he was blindfolded, right? Well, when the pirates realized they were trapped, they did plan to kill Phillips, but not in a panic. Uh, Phillips describes them as setting up a ritual-like way in which they would kill him that included stringing him up. They fired shots near his head, scaring him, and left him tied up for four days. For, sorry, four days. Um, however, they eventually untied him when Phillips got so sick that a Navy doctor had to come on board the lifeboat to bring him food and examine him. After one of the pirates fired off a few rounds into the air during an argument with his colleagues, the pirates went into the hatch to reassure the Navy that Phillips was okay. At that point, the SEALs killed all the pirates, leaving Phillips safe, lying on the floor of the boat. Yeah, that, so that's, yeah, that's the same you know, when, when the Navy medical professional came out. That, that's the same time they, they changed his shirt. Right, exactly. So, so they could but the, yeah, but the but, way they showed it in the movie was a little bit different of an event laying out than the way they gotcha, showed it. Gotcha, gotcha. Really but, like, dude, can you imagine, like, a like a 7.62, like the AK-47 round being discharged next to your head? Uh, I mean, that would suck if you were out in an open field, but you're, like, in an enclosed, tiny yeah, it's boat. Shell like, shot oh. you. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't rupture his eardrum. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't know if it did or not. I mean... Uh, Jesus Christ, like just the way Hanks reacted to all of that. Like I imagine Captain Phillips was something of the same way. Okay. Last one for you, sir. All right. Fact or fiction towards the end of his ordeal, Phillips took pity on at least one of the youngest captor, the youngest of his captors. Um, the guy, the guy who hurts his foot and stuff like that in the movie. I mean, I think there's gotta be a human aspect where you do take a little pity. Now, like, do you, do you probably still want him to be killed? Um, that's a tough one, man. Um, that's a really tough one. I'm on, oh, this is, this is, I'm three and three right now, right? This is like the, this is it. I think you are. This is the game. Um, Come on, you can win it here. 50-50 shot, Dre. Do you take pity? Yes, fact. Oh, I am sorry, sir. That is fiction. Oh, okay. Phillips said before a screening in the movie, we were always adversaries. I thought it was important to make sure we both knew we were adversaries in that. I thought it was important for me and my survival. There was no Stockholm Syndrome. In the film, Phillips makes a few comments to the pirates that could be interpreted as sympathy, especially to the youngest pirate. That's it. That's it, man. Well, all right, buddy. Well, you know what? I'm retarded.
Oh, well, I mean, that's something we all already knew, but, you know, <laughs> I guess we just kind of solidified it more there. Um, that was a fun game that I just suck at. <laughs> more to come there on that on our next episodes, then. I guess we'll just have to see how stupid you fucking are then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you can ask me some trivia questions and make me look good. <laughs> I can do that next time. I'll give you multiple choice, Jay. So, Jay, really quickly, um, what are your takeaways from this movie? Um... The desperate human is often the most dangerous human. Uh, really good movie. Uh, it is a I don't I don't want to say like feel good story because it's you obviously wouldn't want to go through that, but you know it's a really just miraculous uh, story. A lot of coordination, obviously, between the mayor's company, the Navy, Navy SEALs, all military personnel involved. Um, and yeah, you know it's this thing that. Uh, we've been aware of the Somali pirating that's been going on well before this took place. You know, some of you heard whispered here or there, saw something on the news about another country ship, but you know, uh, it came to, uh, to full head when, you know, it was an American ship that they, that they took over. I mean, you know, have a feed shout out to the pirates for, uh, well, the I guess <laughs> ones that are still alive for being able to do something that hadn't been done in 200 years. And then, you know, shout out to the Navy SEALs for killing pirates, thinking they were stupid enough to uh, kidnap an American, you know, kidnap any any other person of any color from any other country. But don't take any person of color from America or, or not, you know, any person of any color, I guess, really. Don't take any American because uh, you're going to get clapped real quick. We don't play that shit. Yeah, I would also say there's some other westernized countries that don't play that shit either, but America definitely uh definitely don't take no shit. Gator yeah, don't play no shit. Gator don't play no shit. Um for me the France movie will probably just try and apologize and maybe just work it out like that. Yeah, maybe maybe not France, but I think Britain would would uh take some pretty good uh shots. Britain, Germany. Definitely Germany. Japan, China, Russia. Yep. Oh, definitely Russia. Probably, you know, the countries that have the largest military spend <laughs> probably stay away from them. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a very good point. Also, maybe North Korea too. I mean, they wouldn't save any of their own citizens, but you know, they would they'd probably just nuke the ship. That's true. That's true. Um, well, for me, the movie is a really good thriller. Um, but as I found from doing the research on this, it doesn't provide much context for what's happening on in the movie. And I feel like it's a movie you need to go into doing your homework. And I feel like it's more rewarding when you know that. So that's why we exist. So we can tell you all of this stuff. Exactly. I mean, it's just like Zero Dark Thirty or... Um, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty is another one we're going to definitely cover on the show. What's that one with uh, Emil Hirsch, Mark uh, Wahlberg? Lone Survivor. Yeah, yeah Lone I mean, Survivor. These are, just, these are real accounts of stuff that happened in history, uh, typically involving like SEAL Team 6, but... You know they're good movies, regardless. Like or, or you know, not SEAL Team Six, but other special special force operations, like sure. Thirteen Hours of Benghazi, which we covered. Like right. these are great movies, uh, but they're so much better when you actually you know know of the story, whether you followed that you know when it was breaking on the news, or if you've done some research on your own or watched a documentary. Uh, you know, if you like love military documentaries like me, once you like really fully understand the story, it makes the movie so much better. You know. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. It it does, it it um, it helps to finally put a, a face to a name of some of these like great heroes who have sacrificed so much for our country. One and then two, it's just 
such a harrowing story to know. And while Hollywood does a good job at, at giving you the emotion um, of what to like of what's at stake for all these people, the true story is sometimes that much better. Yeah. Well, and you know, there, there's there are differences. You're, you know, people take their what would you call creative freedoms? I think is what, what you, you refer uh, to it creative, as creative liberties. Yeah, creative liberty. So, you know, you, you do want to know the real facts and that makes, you know, you want to know the real story. Then you want, you hope the movie does, you know, its best job to portray that story as close to the, the real life story as possible. That's right. That's right. Well, that was, that was the coverage of Captain Phillips. Um, wow. We hit just right at the one hour mark there on that. That was uh, pretty good for this. Um, well, that was one of my favorite researches I've done so far. And finally, we'll end it here. Uh, and he speaks before the edit is <laughs> often incorrect. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> like, it hit the one hour mark. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we have well, it. We, 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 hey, we, we got a couple minutes. We're going to make it up. Well, we got we're around the one hour mark. Whatever. We'll, we'll say that. But anyway, uh, we changed up. Uh, as I said, I wasn't going to say this in the beginning. We changed up our format this time. Usually we talk about what we're watching, but this time we want to end it on what we're watching. So, um, Jay, what are you watching right now? So what I am watching is we finished the Queen's Gambit. I think we watched that all this week. Uh, really, really awesome, cool story. Uh, even if you're like not into chess, it's still just a really cool uh, story. Um, acted, I think, you know, acted really well. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, the dude's names uh, and uh, the main girls in it right now. But Anna Taylor-Joy uh, is the only one I know. Yeah, and then there's like another one that you like. I saw he's on like the Maze Runner series. I know that's probably not the best reference of his work. Dylan O'Brien, uh, probably. But you know, there's some faces in there you you're, you're going to recognize. But it's a really cool story, um, like set in um, like post World War II. I think it was like the '60s and the '70s, um, with some flashbacks to a little earlier than that. But it, it's a lot of it's based in Kentucky, like yeah, both Lexington, Lexington and, and Louisville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, Chloe wanted to watch some American Horror Story, so we are almost finished with the 1984 season, which, you know, sucks. That show sucks in general, but uh, it's, it's kind of enjoyable just as a fan of, like, 80s horror films and the campy vibes. It, it, it makes, you know, I guess it works a little bit to some degree. Uh, did a recap and rewatch The Mandalorian Season 1. I'm about to get into The Mandalorian Season 2. and then Oh, yeah. Yeah, the only other thing I've been watching really, which was just to kill time, but it turned out to be, you know, quite interesting is uh, 69, the saga of Danny Hernandez, which is basically a, a new Hulu documentary that came out, um, you know, kind of highlighting or, or chronicling the kind of rise and fall of uh, of Danny Hernandez, 69, Takashi 69. So, um, yeah, that one's on my buddy. list. That one's on my list. Uh, I meant to watch that this weekend, actually, but I got too busy. So I will be watching that uh, probably before our next time we record. Uh, for me, I am watching um, Mandalorian Season 2. I'm glad you're finally there. Let me know when you're caught up. It is fantastic. However, I have not caught this week's episode yet, so I'm going to do that. Better than the first? I think it is so far. So How far, many episodes are out so far? Uh, three. Oh, oh four. I think I might be four. four now. Is it going to be eight, eight episodes again? Yeah, it'll be eight to ten. I, I, think, might I, wait. Ten. I might wait like two more weeks so I can binge it do it i mean it's i understand why i just i'm really enjoying like the week by week 
Um, I'm, hey, also- I'm enjoying that the 85 inch 4K Mandalorian season one that was that was on there. So <laughs> hey, you yeah. gotta you gotta watch. Um, actually, Jay, maybe maybe to, to spend some time on it. There's also another thing on Disney Plus about the Mandalorian and how each episode was made, and it's fucking fascinating. Uh, I'll check I'll, it out. I'll find it for you. That that'll kill you. There's eight episodes of that, so that'll kill you some time there. Um, I'm also still watching. Forgot to write it down, but I'm watching on Disney Plus too. It's called The Right Stuff. Um, really enjoying that show. It is. It follows the Mercury Seven astronauts uh, and their voyage into space, and it really follows and focuses mainly on um, uh, Alan Shepard and focuses on John Glenn and their friendship and all that stuff. Or not their friendship, but their hatred for each other. Really fascinating show, Jay. You would love it too. Um, and also, uh, they just announced it earlier this week, but. I'm lucky because my fiance is working on the movie. As soon as we get out of here, I'm about to go watch Wonder Woman 1984, baby. So I'm excited to watch that and jump into it. <laughs> I, thought it I thought it was World War 1984, like some like spinoff of George Orwell or something. No, no, no. Wonder Woman 1984, man. Uh, comes out Christmas Day. Don't miss it. But uh, we're about to check it out right now. So uh, hopefully that's uh, not under NDA and no one listens to this. So great. Um Finishing up the Hobbit trilogy, uh, got the de- or the Battle of the Five Armies left to watch, and then I just started last week, uh, really high. I watched The West Wing, and I'm into it, dude. Fucking good show. Yeah, yeah. Even I've never seen the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, dude, you gotta watch it. You what? You like you like the uh, the OG uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, no, I've never watched the Lord of the Rings either. What the fuck is wrong with you? I've never. I've only seen clips of them. I've never watched any of them in their entirety. Jay, you need to get extremely high and watch these movies, and I promise you, they will blow your mind. They will blow your mind. They seem too nerdy. No, they're Jay. They're not too nerdy for you at all. I promise you this. I promise you, it is fucking pure, just cinematic joy to watch. It's so. Which one's first? Is the Hobbit the prequel? You need to watch. You need to watch the Lord of the Rings first. Even though the Hobbit is a prequel, the Lord of the Rings should be watched first, and then you go back back and watch the Hobbit trilogy. All right, I'll take a look. They're all they're all on HBO Max, baby. Check it out. Anyway, that's it for me. I got to take a piss and go eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to Based on Real Events. I'm Jay Kington, coming to you always with uh, Mr. Edward Jordan, who uh, has a stomach full of pee wants to empty to refill it with food. That's right. That's so be right. blessed. Don't be stressed. I know it's hard out there, but just know more lockdowns are coming. Oh, boy. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. This uh, will probably come out either Thanksgiving Day or the day after Thanksgiving. So safe travels, everyone. Talk to you all soon. <laughs> I like how you're announcing that, like they're going to listen to it. And then, like, no, it's coming out in, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say there. I... They're going to listen to it. It's, like, published. Like, yeah, of course. I'm listening to it on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, anyway. who knows, dude? I hope you have a belly full of turkey and just listen to the fucking Buzz podcast. That'd be cool. I'd love to have some yeah. videos like that. Hell yeah, dude. But alright, guys. Be blessed. Be blessed. Talk to y'all later.